when I volunteered for this a couple of weeks ago, um, doing this meeting, I started thinking about it, and it was really because I thought um, that there was a bigger. There's actually an opportunity, as counter uh, intuitive as it might seem. There's actually a big opportunity for the Labour left at the moment, and for sorting uh, for for doing some important political work around this. Um, and then I started thinking about it and I thought about the scale of what I wanted to cover. And it was getting uh, grandiose and sprawling, I suppose. Um, and then um, yesterday, Cathy, who introduced herself a moment ago, sent me an 800-page leaked report, which um, made, 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 sent me off on a tangent that wasn't quite the tangent I was going to go down. I guess many of you will have seen that leaked report. I'll come to that a bit later. Um, so what I intend to do, um, if it's all right with comrades, is kind of talk about um, how wh wh what the Labour left has been like recently, um, what uh, what its what its strengths, but maybe more critically, what its weaknesses have been how that has created the political situation we find ourselves in now and um, what that, what the opportunities are and what we might do to um, do, to improve our work, to improve the Labour left, to uh, reboot. So um, I think it's worth thinking about. I mean, five years ago, only five years ago, there was virtually no Labour left at all. I mean, it was tiny, absolutely uh, tiny Labour left. Those of us who'd uh, stayed in the party, those of us who had come back um, after Ed Miliband won the leadership, even then it was a very, very small group uh, of uh, people holding the flag and it was a um it, i mean it was very beaten down the effects of blairism the effects of blairism closing down the democratic processes of the party uh the iraq war had left the you know the old lots of people had left the party labor wasn't seen as left-wing um in a very real real sense um and um as you know um it was a, a much reduced left and i think that's worth keeping in perspective because it is quite a short time between then and now and when we're thinking about the uh historic you know what feels like a lot of defeats that have just rained down on us in various ways it's worth bearing in mind that you know the the party uh, and the left is still stronger than it was then, and uh, you, you know, and had been for some time before then. Um, the people who kept the left together, and we might come back to this in a bit, in the Labour Party were, by and large, a group of old men, and by old men I mean older than me even men uh, who were kinds of self-selecting um, and had been doing it for some time. Um, 
And then, of course, what happens is that um, the Cor Corbyn got elected quite unexpectedly to the leadership in 2015. And that kind of occurred through a series of sort of rather strange, um, strange um, happenstances, if you want. So, for instance, you know, it's well known that Corbyn wouldn't have got onto the paper or the ballot paper had not various right-wing MPs nominated him because they wanted to, they say, hear the debate. Some of them, I suspect, just wanted to clearly smash the left and show that no left candidate could ever win. More importantly, I think, and this is something, um, in a period when there was no industrial struggle, the unions are at a historic low. Now, traditionally, if a Labour left... Um, when the Labour left has been strong, there's been a backdrop of industrial struggle, of class struggle, of um, unions striking. That really wasn't the situation in 2015. And indeed, it remains throughout the period we're talking about as not, not part of the picture. Um, so... Corbyn was catapulted into the leadership and, you know, what a fantastic, um, inspiring uh, experience that was. Um, and after that, the left tried to organise. And I remember in Lewisham, uh, apologies for those comrades not from Lewisham, but we had some really inspiring um Lewisham for Corbyn meetings, huge meetings, very big meetings, people very excited about politics. But to a large, um, and, you know, lots of very interesting discussions. But to a large extent, the politics of what happened next was defined by those old men who were running the left in the Labour Party beforehand and... Um, Worse still, in some some respects, people who returned to the Labour Party, who considered themselves on the left, who had been either around the revolutionary left or the, um, or actually by and large revolutionary left, and had to find their politics um, largely on an anti-imperialism, in inverted commas, which put a across next to whatever the United States was doing, and in particular uh, cited the, uh, the um, issue of Israel-Palestine and Palestinian rights as one very high up their list. Um, and we'll come back to that in a bit, because I think we do need to have a discussion about anti-Semitism. But what was more critical was they did had, it seems to me, there was no clear programme for transforming the Labour Party. And what we actually, lots of the left was satisfied with was a left leader pronouncing left policies which were concocted in the leader's office. Um, and I think that that, was the huge missed opportunity. Um, so what we we ended up with, and then um, beyond that, there was obviously what happened to momentum, and I think that's an, another story. Again, you could talk an awful lot about what happened to momentum, 
the closing down of democracy, the way that momentum shifted from being really a grassroots movement very quickly. It moved from something which was uh, from the ground up to a media campaign which issued sort of policies again from the top. Um, and that, that um, meant that there was no real, in many ways, organised left. I mean, the, the left was organised by momentum, but it was m organised and muted and uh, muted and kept down. Um, and momentum and landsman, John Landsman, who ran, ran, runs momentum, seemed to see it more of his view of... Um, being a conduit of the leadership to the membership rather than of the membership to the leadership. So an inverted democracy. Um, and, and that led to um, a number of problems. And I think you can see these problems most clearly. That picture that I've painted led to a number of problems. But you can see these most clearly in terms of policy, in terms in, in the Labour left, on its failure on Brexit, where quite clearly the Labour part members in the Labour Party massively opposed Brexit, um, massively uh, wanted to, to remain, and yet the leadership equivocated and and rather than um, in, rather than on on Brexit, rather than acting as in the way that people admired Jeremy for acting on austerity and just saying what needed to be said and then going what needed to be said, we ended up in this strange triangulation where you would try to keep Remainers and Leavers and everyone in one big sort of tent, which was never going to work in a, as a political calculation. Furthermore, you had the situations which came um, came to a head over, um, which has marred uh, the Labour Party and the left over anti-Semitism, where the, a real problem of anti-Semitism on the left, and we might discuss that um, character, which is drawn out of um, you know an understanding of the. Uh, of, uh, of the situation in Israel and Palestine, but making Israel totally illegitimate, you know, uh, demanding basically, which is held, on, again, by only small layers of the left. It's not hold, held by the majority of the Corbyn surge, but what it is held by is it's held by those vocal old men those returners for, uh, to the Labour Party from uh, revolution groups, and they managed to, um, it seems to me, characterise a set of politics around a very unhealthy notion, which didn't argue for a just settlement for the Palestinians, as I would argue for and others in Workers' Liberty would argue for, didn't argue uh, a uh, uh, just settlement for the Palestinians with the a Palestinian state alongside an Israeli state, but was fo focused and fixated on uh, smashing Israel, um, 
Um, and, you know, slogans like, uh, which suggested driving the Jews into the sea, basically. And because of that politics, that politics scarred and marked the whole of that Labour um, left because lots of the prominent people, and you only need to read that report, of the Jackie Walkers, the Ken Livingstons, the held the, these views, and that was perceived as a left view, wrongly, I would argue. So um, the, this, this lack of clarity, the lack of a programme to transform the party, the lack of uh, genuine democratic discussion and debate, the, the lack of coalescing a genuine left-wing movement around some clear programmatic uh, slogans about some clear ideas, but debating it out and discussing it meant that um, what you see is, and what I think we've experienced is, that once the 2019 election defeat happened, much of the Corbyn surge voted for Keir Starmer as leader because there was no, um, and I would argue there's two reasons for that. Um, firstly, was we as a left had failed to organise and coalesce and uh, give clear political guidance to these people. So they didn't understand what the problems with Keir Starmer was. And secondly, I'd say honestly, I mean, I think that the difference between Keir Starmer and Rebecca Long Bailey really wasn't as big and it wasn't as clearly expressed. I mean, Rebecca's campaign got better as it went on, but really wasn't that clear at the beginning. I mean, Starmer uh, posed left. His, his first video had strikes and uh, it was all very... Um, and, you know, there was a lot of triangulation by all three of the leadership candidates that meant there wasn't a clear political message. So we, in a sense... I think that's why we end we end up here. Now, I just wanted to quickly come back to the report. Um, this some of you will have seen. There's an 800-page report that comes from within the Labour Party. It's caused a lot of social media um, comments. It clearly shows, uh, if, if it's true, and I'm, I've no reason to believe it isn't true, that um, that. Key parts of the existing Blairite political machine worked to torpedo um, Corbyn in uh, our election campaign in 2017. Hated Jeremy Corbyn as leader. I have to say honestly, comrades, I um, I didn't find that really very shocking. I mean, I kind of almost expected that of these people. I am kind of a bit surprised when people go, this is shocking. Because, I mean, if you've ever come up close to these people, I remember picketing um, with some comrades here, uh, Tony, Ben's um, Tony, ben, Tony Blair's manifesto launch in uh, 1997. Uh, and the uh, Labour Party... Uh, Apparashnik telling me that uh, he pushed trots under buses before Tories. Uh, sorry, Tories under buses before trots because business before pleasure. Um, I mean, these people were, are absolutely have been scum for years, you know. Um, so I think that that isn't surprising to me. Um, 
I think one of the things that I'm shocked about when you look at this report and you look at the response to it is the number of people who don't seem to be noticing the key element of it, which to me, which is, is that there is a problem with anti-Semitism in our party and there isn't a problem with anti-Semitism in the left. And it is, you know, as reprehensible as the behaviour of these people certainly was, one of the things that's shocking is when you read the accounts of Livingston and Jackie Walker and the others, their behaviour is absolutely disgraceful. And we have to remember that our the left of our party, many of them defended this. And, you know, that is not, um, not a healthy left. So one of the things we're going to have to deal with as we rebuild and and give you focus to a, a Labour left is that problem. And it's a running sore in our um in our movement. Um and I think that you know you just look when you look at the coverage on Squawk Box and other things at how much is actually talks about anti-Semitism, a report on anti-Semitism in the party, because it doesn't. It talks about how the Blairite machine didn't want Corbyn to win an election. But, I mean, there is, a, there is another very big story in that report. Um, it's also worth noting that that report, I think, is a factional document by the group of people who took over that office. Uh, some of the people in this meeting have had fights with some of the people in Lewisham who now are in that office and know that these are not um, so Democrats and socialists of high standing who live by a high moral code and wouldn't possibly ever go through this. I mean, um, certainly James Smith and Toby Peacock, who I've had dealings with, uh, uh, I wouldn't measure much by those people's standards. Um, so I think that's worth thinking about. What I do think is what that report does demonstrate is that a left that was that hadn't didn't challenge, hadn't democratized the party, didn't challenge the existing bureaucracies, didn't open it up, didn't create a counterweight to these people that was sufficiently organized that where the Blairite bureaucrats tried to stymie or beat us down, where they tried to um, to stop us gaining or holding power. We had a proper um, genuine movement which we could pose against them, not just the leadership office, not just a different group of people who weren't answering to us, but a genuine movement if we play politics like that, we're always going to lose. We are always going to lose those battles and we will carry on losing those battles. And that kind of, sorry, I've probably gone on a terribly long time. Um, so it brings us back to what I think we have to do now uh, as a left and what we have to do um, in the party. And I, I'd go back to the fact that so I joined the Labour Party in 1988. In that time, um, I've had Jeremy Corbyn was the only leader 
I'd voted for in a leadership election who actually became leader. Um, so most of the time, the point I'm trying to make is, most of the time, the left is organising when it doesn't hold the leadership. We've had this very peculiar brief period where we've held the leadership. So the first thing is not to be terribly downhearted by that. That's what that's the, generally what happens. Um, but to move forward, what we're going to have to do, it seems to me, is focus on three key elements. Um, uh, one is we have to argue to democratise the party. We have to make confidence the sovereign body. We can't... The bit, it seems to me the biggest failing of the Corbyn years is that basically we the left if the left whilst the left held the leadership we've just handed it back without to an, another leadership office we allowed the leadership office to control us control the party's political output under Jeremy and now when you lose that. You just get another set and it's, it gives us no strength. So we have to fight to democratise the party, to make the conference sovereign, to have um, mandatory reselection so we can deal with the uh, M, uh, MPs who have played this terrible role. We've got to focus on that. We, we have to reconnect the Labour Party to the unions. And I, by that, I don't mean... Len McCluskey in an office somewhere. I mean, rank and file trade unionists base it on, make it a party of strikes, a party of industrial struggle. They should, be, we need to take our Labour parties back onto every picket line, every strike, every dispute, and take those struggles into our CLPs and into our meetings. And and reconnect it, uh, the party to the to the union movement, um, and we need to base it also on a genuine internationalism. And by that I mean that you cannot um, the notion that you cannot um, countenance uh, a, a border between. Israel and Palestine, but you're happy to erect borders right across Europe. The notion that is an inverted view, where there's a, a democratic problem such as a, na a national problem such as Israel-Palestine, obviously part of a democratic solution is building a border. Put in a border between Britain and the rest of Europe, where there is no oppression, and that you would have the that inversion of the politics that you see the bigger problem is regaining the national rights of the of the British, whatever that means, uh, but not understand that there is a necessity for two nations in the Middle East shows how pixelated and how confused your politics has become. The in genuine internationalism means standing up clearly for migrants' rights, standing up clearly for the borders everywhere apart from where there are specific union one, and recognising that 
Chinese oppression of the Uyghurs is every bit as bad as what American imperialism does, not simply playing this campus politics we've had for so long. So I would argue that those are the three things you could talk. There's lots of other things we could talk about in policy details, and I'm sure people will want to do that. But I did. I do think that democratizing the party, basing it on industrial struggle, and a genuine internationalism are the key elements. Thank you.